Welcome to the 902 podcast, the official podcast of the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm Captain John Vick, and I want to thank you for tuning in. This podcast will give you an inside look at LSO with topics and guests to discuss public safety issues impacting Lancaster County. Be sure to subscribe for highlights on news cases and the people working for you at LSO. You can also follow us across social media by searching for at LSO Nebraska. That's at LSO Nebraska on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Well, it is podcast day here in the 902 studios, and we are lucky to have a couple of guests with us. Uh, we still have Sheriff Terry Wagner with us. Thanks for being here, Sheriff. Great to be here. Thank you. Chief Deputy Ben Houchin. Good afternoon. It's a nice Friday. It definitely is. I'm John Vick. I'm captain here at the Sheriff's Office, and our guests in the studio are here for Women's History Month. So today we have Sarah Sump and Amanda Gress with us in studio. Hello. Hello. Thanks for coming. Uh, really want to just talk to you guys about women that are here at LSO and kind of the roles that they play and how important that they are to us. But before we do that, I want to give you guys a chance just to introduce yourself. Sarah, well, you want to go first? I would love to go first. So, hi, Sarah Sump. I have been with the office since 2019 as our um, administrative services officer. Um, before that, I uh, worked for the state at the Department of Corrections. Um, I reign from the great state of Iowa, um, but now call Lincoln, Nebraska home. Love it here. My name is Amanda Gress, and I am a Lincoln native. I originally graduated Southeast High School and currently work, this is my 15th year at LSO, um, overall 19 years in law enforcement. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We get asked a lot of questions when we're out and about uh, doing recruiting events and things like that. You know, what we, what we have for roles here at the Sheriff's Office. Are there, are there any divisions here that we don't have women in roles that you guys are aware of? No, I don't think so. I think there's somebody, a, a woman in every division, actually. So how much of our actual staff is made up of, of women here at LSO? So about 12% of commission staff. Um, there's 74% of civilian staff, 12% in our security guards division. So quite a few. Awesome. So, you know, we've looked at our history book and preparing for this episode a little bit, gone back to try and figure out what some of the roles were over the years, because they've certainly changed since. Yes, they have. From Absolutely. where we're at today, from, from where we got started in 1861. So, Sheriff, we hear sometimes about matrons and things like that. What, where did that ever get started? Um, you know, if you think back to Marshall Dillon, they didn't have any women working in the jail or, you know, Festus was as close as they had. And um, so... If, if you look at our history book and, and from what I know of, of our office, Sheriff Merle Carnop lived above the jail. Uh, and it was situated on the corner here of 9th and K. Jail was on the first floor and, and uh, like a garden level. And the sheriff lived upstairs. Mrs. Carnop, Gertrude Carnop, cooked for the inmates and did their laundry. And when they had a female prisoner that needed to go to court, she escorted them. So you'll see a lot of pictures of... Charlie Starkweather and Carolyn Fugate, and usually uh, Sheriff Carnop had Charlie in tow, and Mrs. Carnop was always with Carolyn Fugate. So, um, yeah, they 
they served a very important role before there were women in law enforcement. So am I hearing that right, that the sheriffs and their families actually used to live kind of on, on site at the jail or at the courthouse? Yes. You know, uh, Merle's son, Dennis, um, used to say how, you know, he lived above the jail. Um, and Charlie Starkweather lived across on the east side of 10th Street. And so Charlie was at the sheriff's quarters on several occasions playing with her son, Dennis. Really? So it's, yeah, it was their home. Um, there are still, up until a few years ago, there were still sheriffs in Nebraska that lived above or, or next to the jail. And then they took care of the jail. Sometimes their their wives would answer the radio, take care of female prisoners, kind of uh, take care of all that, those support functions. So, like you said, in the days before we had um, as many women's staff as we have now, sometimes they were family members, but sometimes they had actual um, actual employee roles uh, before we had our first deputy. Is that? That's, that's correct. Um, you know, you'll see a lot of the photos around the, the sheriff's office. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the clerical staff were female, obviously. Um, but, um, you know, we, we had matrons that they would do, they might be a clear, have a clerical function as a primary job function and then when we had a female prisoner, which weren't that many then, they would be the ones escorting females to court. So, Sarah, you and I talked about this a little bit. When did we actually get our first female deputy at the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office? So our first female deputy was Miss Margaret Miller, and she was hired in 1961 was the first time we had a female deputy. And it sounds like her main role was to... Um, be a dispatcher at the time. So we're we're looking at a picture of of Margaret Miller, um, and it's it's actually one that's on display in one of our one of our historical display cases here. But the how I mean, how would you describe Amanda their their uniform <laughs> from then to to today? Well, it's a very it's a long dress of ser- sorts. <laughs> Almost, I don't know how you would really function now in that you can't really run in that but right um yeah definitely more of like a suit coat dress kind of yeah attire. it looks like she's got high heels on it, it does be very yeah, good at a foot pursuit that, doing yeah. that well and you, I mean, you look at her hat compared to what our, the headgear for men were i mean it was sort of like if you look at the military in the 40s women's headgear was much different than men's headgear you know yeah absolutely and i i think that was just that was a little bit kind of standard for the culture at the time um, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Well, you'll notice in that photograph that Margaret's not armed. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think we had women on patrol um, until early 70s. Okay. So I think I think Marjorie Blue was the first deputy that wore trousers, carried, wore a gun belt, and, you know, so we all wore the same same thing, and then she actually wore patrol. So, Amanda, that's obviously a lot different than when you and I started. We started around the same time. Yes. So, how how would you how would you contrast that to your experience when you started? I mean, just even since I started back in two thousand four, like the the uniforms are different all around. So, like we're going to the more cargo pant type thing to be more tactful and helpful when you're carrying all the stuff that you need to. And I just just evolving every day, I feel like. Yeah. Well, 
we want to learn a little bit more about you and what you do here at the sheriff's office. So Amanda, do you want to start? What drew you to work for LSO? So I originally was working at a different agency and I happened to work quite a bit with other LSO deputies at the other agency that I was at. And I just really liked the people at LSO. Um, and I just liked the camaraderie that they had every time I would work with them. So that's what drew me to LSO. Awesome. Sarah, how about you? So I would be a little different coming from the um, administration side of um, the sheriff's office. Um, So I was, like I said, working at the state and um, a friend of mine was looking for jobs. I wasn't even looking for a job and came across this and said, you know, this really looks like something that would be great for you. And I thought, well, you know, throw my head in it. And, um, you know, I, at first I was like, oh, whatever. And once I got here though, and, um, interviewed and met some people, um, I just loved the culture and environment that was here. So that's really what, um, kind of set it off for me. So you talked a little bit about, you know, why, why you came here and what you do. So tell us a little bit more about what, what is your job? What, what are you paid to do at the sheriff's office? So um, my main role would be um, I oversee our accounting division. Um, I do our budget and finance, um, and I also have an accounting specialist that's underneath me that um, takes care of a lot of our bill paying. Um, But I work closely with our civil specialist, um, processing the legal fees that um, are mandated through our lovely state statutes. And then um, as some roles. My job title is actually super broad. And so um, I've taken on a few more things here. So I also work with civilian hiring. Um, I work with our website and our social media um, and have the best boss in the whole wide world. You, you can, you I, can, can. I cannot <laughs> agree more than that she does have one of the greatest bosses. Yes. On that, and one of the things I think was really cool is when she started to get involved into um, our social media, it has taken off. Can you talk a little bit about that and how it's gone for you since you've done that? Sure. So um, in my personal life, I run a business through social media, so I kind of have some um, knowledge and expertise in that. And so uh, it's really just about getting out there and showing who we are and humanizing the badge. Um, It's a bit of a challenge because there is some security issues and officer safety is one of our biggest things. Um, but we really like to show you guys what's happening and what we're doing um, and what a day kind of in the life of LSO is um, because a lot of it's a mystery. Before I came here, you know, I just thought, oh, there's people out on the road driving around handing out speeding tickets. But wow, we do um, a lot more than that. And so um, I really like people to see that and kind of know what we do. And at the end of the day, we're responsible to the taxpayers. So I kind of like you guys to know what your money's going for. So um, yeah, that's kind of, um, we like to get out there, do some videos, do some live streams. Um, it's been a fun, challenging learning curve that uh, I think we're doing pretty good at. So it's been fun. Yeah, so sometimes if you're uh, interacting with us on social media, so shameless plug, at LSO Nebraska, you can find us on yes. Facebook. Twitter, Instagram. In, and YouTube. And YouTube. A lot of times. And now the 902 Podcast. Yes, the 902 Podcast as well. So Sarah will sometimes be answering messages on Facebook Messenger, things like that. Um, you might also, um, if uh, Chief Deputy Houchin or Sheriff Wagner are on camera, a lot of times Sarah is the one behind the camera in those circumstances. So yes, appreciate, appreciate everything that you're yeah, she, doing. She critiques me daily on things. <laughs> Somebody has got to keep you guys in line. <laughs> so Amanda, 
what what do you do at LSO? What's your position and and tell us a little bit about what you're what you're paid to do here. So my current position is the education and personnel deputy. So I help with hiring. I help with what we call a mini academy. Basically, when we hire new deputies, we put them through a mini academy. If they're already certified, they go straight to the mini academy before they go out into the field training program um, to be on the road with off with other deputies. And then um, if they're going off to the Grand Island to become certified, once they get back from Grand Island, I just kind of go over our policies, our procedures, um, different ways we write reports, things like that. Um, I also help with training. So making sure all of our deputies per LB51 have everything that they need for the year for training hours, qualifying for handgun, anything that we that they need. I also make sure that they're all outfitted. So anything that they could possibly need, I make sure that they get. So uniform stuff, um, just anything that they would possibly need. Awesome. And I'm lucky enough to have Amanda working with me in my <laughs> yes. division. So Thank you for all that you do. But yes. before you did that, yes. um, you probably get the same reaction out of your kids that I do when I put on a uniform. They go, well, you're a cop. Yes. Um, sometimes they forget that when we're upstairs working in an administrative role. But before you did what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked, I worked patrol. I worked um, courts division. I worked transports. And then I was a school resource officer for six years. So I've been kind of all over the gamut here. What school were you at? I was at Waverly. That kind of brings us into what, what are some of the issues that you're most passionate about when it comes to work at LSO? So my main concern is just employee wellness. So not just officer wellness, but employee wellness for our civilian staff and our certified staff. I think, I think wellness in general is incredibly important. I think the deputies, especially, and, and civilian staff too, if they hear some of the calls come out or they see some of the reports that come out or have to type up some of the reports that come out on maybe traumatic incidences like I just, I, my, I want to make sure that they, everybody's good and they don't have any issues or they don't need anything. So that's what I'm very passionate about is officer wellness and wellness in general for our staff. Well, and sheriff and chief, I appreciate you being as receptive as you've been to some of the things that we're trying wellness wise. I know that's something that's definitely affected our profession. Not something that we're always great at as an industry about, you know, reaching out for uh, mental health assistance and things like that sometimes. But what are your thoughts on on wellness when it comes to LSO? You know, you look at, um, you know, recently in 2020, Troy Bailey, a deputy sheriff, passed away um, from a heart attack, and that was ruled to be a line of duty death. And you look at the four employees we've had who have died in the line of duty, and three of those have been heart issues. So heart issues are a huge uh, they're, they're just very prevalent in law enforcement. Um, the average life expectancy of a law enforcement officer is about 56 years, I think. So, um, you know, heart heart problems are a, a huge issue. It's, you know, critically important that uh, we make those services available to our employees, to keep, keep them healthy, and uh, keep them going. Yep. Chief, thoughts on the wellness side? You know, when I started back in 93, um, you didn't talk about this stuff. Uh, you, you didn't have all this. You, it kind of came off as you're being weak if you had to go and get help. And it's, I think as a profession, we have really dropped the ball on that. And I'm really glad that we are picking that up and going at it because we're way more likely to kill ourselves than we are to get killed by a felon. And so that's sad, and we need to make sure that uh, we're looking at that. Thank God 
here we have not had that and uh, mm -hmm. I think we're working and keeping that and we also do a lot of our physical fitness and you know, we have a nice weight room and uh, uh, treadmills and things and with the sworn if they have time they can do work out for 30 minutes on duty and I think that's a big thing so Absolutely. Amanda what does that actually what does that actually look like um, on you know on a functional level I know you're part of the critical incident stress mm -hmm. management team yes. can you talk about what what role that plays at LSO? So anytime that a deputy or anybody gets involved in a critical incident, um, they just need to contact their supervisor and their supervisor lets us know. Um, there's two of us here at the sheriff's office that are on the critical incident stress management team of Nebraska. And we coordinate with them and um, set up a debriefing so that way we can all talk about it. And I think it's very important, especially on very traumatic incidences, Yes, it's, it's very tragic, obviously, for everybody involved, whether it's the family, friends, um, deputies, firefighters, anybody that responds to that incident. It's incredibly stressful, and it's, it's challenging, and we get dispatched to it constantly. So for, for the critical incident stress management team, it's, just, it's a good way for people to talk about it, and you're all there to talk about it. So it's not like, oh, I shouldn't say this, or I shouldn't say that. It's what's bothering you. And then if, if they get to a point where that's just not enough, then we can help refer them to somebody else to talk to. What, what, what do you consider a critical incident? Just for the listening audience's uh, edification. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, a critical incident can be anything. Um, if a deputy goes to a death that was either a car accident or a suicide or a murder or anything, um, an accidental death, um, it could be something that a lot of them seem to be motor vehicle accidents involving children or families, multiple deaths in one time. So um, it just, we don't really have a, you have to, it has to be like this bad of an incident. It's just, if it's, if somebody is struggling, struggling at all, they just need to contact their supervisor. So I think that's important for people to know. I always worried about um, with kids if a deputy has a child close to that same age and then you have something traumatic happen to a child close to that too. And I think at that point they start to put their own kid, uh, child in that position and think. And I, I think that's one of the worst things that can happen to a Absolutely. deputy. You know, I think many of us, you know, you get up work at 2 o'clock in the morning and, and you go home, your children are little, and maybe you've had one of those calls and you go in and stick your hand in front of your mm -hmm. child's knows just to make sure they're still breathing and then things are good you can go to bed and so uh, i think we've all done that absolutely well, i know i have yeah and you and i have talked too i mean when you when you start a lot of us start this profession when we're young before mm -hmm. we're before married or have kids or anything like that mm -hmm. and sometimes something that maybe wouldn't have really been that stressful of an event relatively speaking mm -hmm. um when your situation changes and maybe you have kids or or your family situation changes um, that event can play out very differently Absolutely. than, uh, than it did before. So I, I really appreciate you trying to meet people where they're at and, mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what's hard to deal with for some might not be difficult for others. And mm -hmm. sometimes they sneak up on you. So we've got to be proactive. Yeah. And, it could be one event or it could be multiple events mm -hmm. over a long period of time. Yeah. Cumulative. Yeah. yeah. And Absolutely. I think that could get um, some folks too, or, and then a small thing happens and it, it, it goes downhill for them. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look back on, uh, on days gone by, and I'll, I'll take you down memory lane, but an LAPD officer uh, was an author, and he wrote several books about his experiences with LAPD. And uh, one of them 
they would have choir practice after work, almost like you're describing with a critical stress uh, debriefing incident, only these all involved alcohol and, you know, bad things happened. And it so was not only were they dealing with the stress in the wrong way, uh, the, the uh, alcohol effects were, were causing them problems both personally and professionally. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it was a different way of dealing with stress back then to what we're doing now. It's mm-hmm. a world of difference. Yeah, absolutely. Sarah, how about you? What, what things are you passionate about working in public safety and in law enforcement? So I think um, one thing I want to keep up here, and it kind of goes in line with that, is keeping a positive culture here and keeping um, everyone successful and happy in what they're doing. A couple years ago, we did a uh, culture survey just to kind of gauge where our employees are, what keeps them here, what keeps them ticking, um, and then things that we can look to improve on because we don't know if we don't know. So um, I just really, overall wellness, and I think bridging the gap between civilians and sworn staff is probably one of my other um, differences because it is two different worlds, um, and we try to understand and we try to be as supportive as we can be to our sworn counterparts, but there's just some things we won't understand and um, vice versa. So really um, just keeping that positive environment here because we see some, they see some crazy things out in the field. So, yeah. So, you know, about 25% of our 25% or so of our staff are civilian or support staff. Yes. um, And the others are commissioned. So talk a little bit about, you know, the, um, how, how do you see some of those, some of those differences at work? So a big one, because the majority of our civilians work Monday through Friday, eight to four, four thirty, And so we just don't get those interactions with people that are here working the holidays, working the weekends. Um, and so it's just, you don't know each other. It's not a typical work environment where you all come to an office and there's a break room where you have lunch or dinner or whatever. And so, um, like an example, one thing we do around the holidays is we do a big food fest. And so we try to have people bring in food and share a meal together because that's always one thing that, um, bonds people. And, um, so that's one thing. And the other thing is, um, you know, most of our, civilian positions are more clerical positions. They're, you know, budget finance, there are records, they're the people that are at the front greeting people. And so it's just a different scale um, or type of work field. Well, the one thing though, the guys and gals who are out on the field couldn't do their jobs without you guys doing that in the back. And it's, it's very important and it may not be get all the glamour, but we certainly here at the sheriff's office couldn't operate without uh, them being there doing their jobs. So Sarah, again, being here for Women's History Month, we, we want to just get perspectives on, on how things work at LSO and, and the contributions that women make. Talk to us about some of the things that we're maybe still still working on here for, uh, for women at LSO. Are, do we still have, we still have work to do? Um, how, how, would you, how would you rate your experience here? Yeah, so um, yes, I think there's still some work to do. Um, you know, I was kind of thinking about things, and I think one thing that I would love to see is more women in leadership. And I know it takes the right person to be in leadership. It's not meant for everybody, but um, like we've never had a female captain, and I would love to see a female captain. Um, I mean, I would say female sheriff or chief deputy, but there's only one at a time. So at least for our captains, we have. But we kind of... 
you know, although you're not a captain because you're in a civilian position, you do sit on on what we would consider our command staff. So, I mean, you you are a part of our discussions and meetings, and um, I think it's nice to have your perspective, um, you know, both as as a woman and also as a member of that civilian and support staff because you're able to see things maybe from a perspective that we're not always looking at some of our operations through. Yeah, that's very true. And yeah, whether we like it or not, I mean, we just think differently, we tick differently. And so um, sometimes it's a good way to um, give different perspective to things. And so that's why I would love to see, um, I'll say then a sworn member of our staff being on a leadership role would be one goal I would love. But, you know, here at the county, like our pay is all the same. We don't have any of those issues. Um, You know, benefits are all the same. It's, um, It's really just getting the right person that wants to move up and grow. Yeah. Amanda, how about you? Thoughts on thoughts on that? Um, no, I think the sheriff's office does a good job. I just I wish more women would apply for law enforcement positions. Yeah. It seems lately the last few hiring processes we've only had one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I mean, I would just love more females to get involved in law enforcement. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, that's that's always something that we've been trying to work on, um, sheriff, as far as just getting that representation um, within our deputy ranks and. Um, we're, we're certainly not alone um, in that, you know, oh, nationally. I know, and I, I but I, and I think rural law enforcement is a little more intimidating um, to a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, women included, um, because they're out there all by themselves, a long way from a backup, three o'clock in the morning, not a street light in sight, and it, and it can be a little bit intimidating. And so, uh, it really isn't much different than urban policing, is it, Amanda? And I think, no. um, you know, the women that we've had here. That, that can kind of get over that intimidation factor do very well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'd love to see more, more female applicants. Yeah, I would love that. Um, so what do you love most about what you do at LSL? Well, my, my job, I guess, I, I just love the people. Like I get to interact more with everyone in, in the agency now, um, now that my role is... I have everything they need, so they come to me if they need something. Um, so I get to see a lot more deputies, regardless if they're night shift, um, second shift, day shift, doesn't matter. Um, so I, I just love the people of LSO. Everybody gets along um, really well, I feel like, and I just feel I feel like there's the camaraderie is still a little different from it was back in the day, but I still feel like it's still there. Um, so the people, I like the people. Awesome. Sarah, how about how about you? What what keeps you coming back? Um, you know, I would say the people, yes, are um, really what makes this place uh, pretty awesome. Um, and it's uh, it's what keeps you coming here. Um, I think we have a great mission. We work hard and we have fun at what we do. Um, and so it's just an awesome place to work. Awesome, Sheriff Chief. Any other thoughts? You know, it's it's our boss, and that's not me. It's the people we work for. Mm-hmm. Um, people really do respect sheriff's deputies um, in the rural areas. They, they realize tough job. Um, they're I, I I know I've taken reports before from people that live in the county and said, "Well, I'm sorry to bother you. See, you're not you're not bothering us. We're, this is what we're here to do: is to mm-hmm. find out who stole the back the tractor out of your battery or the battery battery out of your tractor." But People in the county, when you drive around, you got to have that finger up there on the steering wheel and wave back at them, or uh, they'll 
they'll think you're mad at them. So mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a uh, kind of a different policing atmosphere. People really do appreciate us, and and in turn, it really is enjoyable for us to serve them. Yep, Chief. Any other thoughts? You know, I look. look. I know a lot of times people ask, well, what is it like to have a female working or, you know, vice versa on that? You know, the great thing about the the female deputies uh, that I've worked with all the time, they were just as great. They could do the job just as well as the man could. And uh, there's been some of them that um, we went into some very bad situations and they were right there with you. They did their job and did everything they did. So it... It's not a man-woman job. It's uh, who wants to come and be a law enforcement officer. It doesn't matter what sex you are, what race you are, or anything like that. Come here, be a good person, uh, do the right things, treat people fairly, no matter who you are, and you will work out here great. Yeah, well said. Well, I, I just really appreciate both of you being here and, and uh, all the work that you do every day, day in and day out, but also just for joining us today and giving us a little bit of your perspective on uh, work at LSO. So thanks for coming. Thanks for having Thanks us. for having us. All right, that's going to take all of our time today for the 902 podcast. We want to thank everybody for listening in. Just a reminder that you can find out information about employment opportunities at the sheriff's office by going to joinlso.com. And you can also follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube by looking for at LSO Nebraska and come and find us and interact with us there. That's all the time that we have for today. Thanks for listening to the 902 podcast. want a challenging career, a career where you can make a difference in your life, your family's life, and the lives of those in your community, come and join the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office. To learn more or to apply, visit us online at www.joinlso.com.